crack on a table. It's time to respond. Send us a message from somewhere beyond. Goblins and ghoulies from last Halloween. Awaken the spirits with your tambourine. Creepies and crawlies, toads in a pond. Let there be music from regions beyond. Wizards and witches, wherever you dwell, give us a hint by ringing a bell. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And I feel like we're getting back on track. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode. Except. Except. Except I felt like there was a lot of exposition dump happening. There was a lot of, okay, we're running out of time. I'm just going to tell you the whole story going on here. And I feel like it would have been better if that had been spread out across this episode and the prior episode. Oh, well... I do agree with that. My accept is actually a little different. There were a lot of good moments in here, but a lot of them did kind of feel unearned. Well, I think those two things are related. Yeah. Because the exposition didn't flow naturally. There wasn't a story behind it. It wasn't shown, as it were. Mm. So things just happened then. Uh, Before we get too into it, though, I want to do like a preview of my recommendation at the end of the episode. All right. And I'm just going to say, some of our listeners know that I had surgery last week, and obviously you know that. Mm -hmm. And when I was recovering, I just went on this deep YouTube dive of videos about theme park attractions. And I was thinking, man, I wish there was some way I could recommend those. So let's talk about this episode. So let's get into the episode. This is Season 7, Episode 11, Secret Garden. Secret Garden. That, that was my secret tunnel impression. Oh, I, I was like, is that a uh, is that a song from the Secret Garden musical you recommended a while back? I love that musical. No, that was me trying to do Secret Tunnel from, from Avatar tunnel, The Last Airbender. Secret Tunnel. Yeah. And die. Speaking of and die, this episode. So as a reminder, uh, stuff that happened last episode, Anastasia is out of her coma and has all the magic. Uh, she actually even took Ivy's magic. She even took Ivy's magic. Not on purpose, though. Gothel set her up so that she would steal Ivy's magic. Gothel is trying to reassemble her coven of eight, which is eight witches who can do whatever, because apparently once you have enough magical power, you can kind of just fuck the general rules of magic, which I think makes sense Yeah, that's, that's fair. Now, am I spacing, or did we really just drop the coven of eight this week? Well, if I'm correct, which I may be entirely wrong... But I feel like we're going into a The Jackie Chan Adventures TV show. I love that show. Where she needs to collect seven special witches to unlock their full power. And we were just dealing with the... Well, I I guess the first one would be uh, Anastasia. Right. Well, the first one, what we'll see this week. Chronologically, not in what we've seen. Yes, the first one we saw her Mm -hmm. recruiting was Anastasia and... 
now we're getting the second one if i'm right which i very well may not be i feel like this season has dropped several plot threads but normally that would annoy me but not so much here if it's a bad plot thread i'm cool with them dropping it yeah like it's fine no one no one cared when buffy stopped using her magical period powers in season one. Oh my god i forgot about those yeah I was just rewatching a little season one of Buffy, and it's weird because it feels like it's parodying a sort of horror that doesn't really exist anymore. Well, that makes a lot of sense. We, we've gone away from the teen slasher horror genre into the more kind of, well, we had gone into more kind of torture porn. I feel now we're more in like psychological thriller horror. Oh, not teen slasher horror, but a certain brand of old school horror. It seems more like a sort of elongated dissection of the sort of helsing vampire hunter dynamic oh okay interesting which again i don't really think is something we see much anymore in terms of supernatural shows i think that's right yeah or Uh, in movies movies shows things that deal with vampires yeah i feel like that take on the vampire hunter is pretty antiquated outside of vaguely real vaguely holtz from angel oh but that's still that's still the buffy verse Yeah, and it's still kind of removed from those very old-school vampire stories. Yeah. Anyway, uh, when Anastasia came out of her coma, Lucy went into her coma. True Love's kiss didn't work on Lucy because something, something. Uh, She lost her belief. No, that totally makes sense. She lost her belief. So True Love's kiss only works if both parties believe in True Love's kiss. It's interesting. I I know it's not really the land of no magic. It's the land of the minimus magic, but... I think it's interesting that True Love's Kiss is one of those magics that works everywhere. Yeah. Actually, I kind of like that, and I think that's really nice. And it does sort of work with what we've seen with True Love's Kiss, in that it's a magic that doesn't require its users to have mystical abilities to use. Yeah. It's more like a ritual than a spell. Yeah. I, I mean, the people we've seen use it the most are David and Mary Margaret, who are about as magical as a dead fish. And that's about how much chemistry they have, too. And yet, True Love's Kiss, working all over the place. So, Gothel has recruited Anastasia and trapped Ivy and Victoria at the bottom of a well in a secret murder house. Yeah, very Silence of the Lambs. And Regina has gone to San Francisco to fetch Zelina, her sister, to fix everything. Yes. So, we open on hooded figures... Speaking of angel, this is a real angel scene. Oh, it really is. I hadn't thought about that, but it totally is. Because we open on three women who are surrounding a bubbling cauldron trying to call forth a goddess. In Regina's vault in Storybrooke. Is it weird that Selena ended up going back to Storybrooke after the uh, after the finale? It really seemed like she was leaving Storybrooke forever to just be in Oz or wherever with her baby. I guess it is, except, well, we're going to talk. This is at least 14 years after the events at the end of last season. Well, more. I mean, Robin's 18 now. Oh, does she say she's 18? I was just estimating how old she was supposed to be playing. Yeah. And also, I didn't want to give away that it was Robin. Yes. uh, One of the three hooded women who is trying to invoke the goddess over this cauldron is, in fact, Robin. And this invocation is interrupted by one of the other women girls 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 cell phones going off and she's like okay so that's my mom calling me for dinner 
and it really doesn't look like we're doing anything here. Like, your mom may be the Wicked Witch, but you're about as magical as David and Mary Margaret. Wow. Wow, mean. That girl shouldn't be their friend anymore if she's going to say something that mean to them. Yeah. Now, do we know who the other two girls are? One of the girls is Robin, a teenaged Robin, but I think the other two are just random storybook girls we've never seen. Is that right? Or do you know who they are? Well, given that one of the girls is leaving to go eat lasagna, she may haps be Garfield. So the ritual is already breaking up and Zelina comes in and she is not happy to see this. Yeah, she's really honked off that Robin is trying to do magic. And she wants to know how Robin got into the vault, which seems weird because when has anyone ever had difficulty getting into Regina's vault? Right? Plus, the only thing that could possibly make it hard is that it might be sealed with blood magic. And guess what? Robin is Regina's niece. Yeah, Robin and Regina are related. But Robin does let Zelina know that Regina is off with Henry, so that's where we are timeline-wise. Mm-hmm. But before she left, she gave Cora's spell book to Robin, which, I'm sorry, I'm on Zelina's side here. That's incredibly irresponsible. Yes. Robin wants to learn magic, and since her mom has a giant no magic boner, uh, she went to Regina, and I feel like Regina could have started her off a little softer than Cora's spell book. Right? Plus... I just have to say, it's weird that Zelina doesn't want Robin to learn magic. She's not anti-magic, she just lost hers defending Storybrooke. She's always been pro-magic. Yeah, it seems like a weird plot thing where she's like, no, magic's dangerous, which, yes, magic is dangerous. Of course, of course. You know what else is dangerous? Driving. That's literally exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, just because driving is dangerous and it's something you're uncomfortable with doesn't mean that your kid shouldn't learn how to drive. But on the other hand, it's irresponsible of Zelina to not teach Robin to drive. But the answer is not for Aunt Regina to just give her keys to a motorcycle and be like, try it out. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like there should have been a more middle groundy thing here where maybe Regina started teaching Robin fun and basic spells <laughs> for beginners before going on this. Because this is clearly something Robin's been interested in a while. And I get that Regina was leaving town. But then you have a discussion with Zelina. You don't just throw your niece in the deep end like that. You know who could have helped her? Who? Emma. Yeah, Emma's still in town. Well, as far as we know. As far as we know. And Emma actually is pretty good at some fairly basic magic. Yeah, magic that Robin is not going to get hurt learning. Yeah, she could uh, She could learn Emma's little teleport objects around the room spell. There you go. And like a little light blast. Emma can do light blasts and Emma can do healing. These are all good basic spells for Robin to be learning. And honestly, it'd probably be pretty good for Emma to have some experience teaching someone else magic. Yeah, and she'd probably be better at it than Regina was, honestly. Because uh, she won't just teleport Robin onto a bridge and then make it collapse around her. That was an awesome scene, but yeah, because of that. Yes. What I like about this is that it, I, I feel like we say this so much, I feel like it's the only season anyone ever calls back to, but I feel like this is calling back to season one, because last episode we found out about why Zelina and Regina's curse personas got estranged. Okay. They got estranged because Ronnie was encouraging Robin to go out, party, have fun, not focus on the things that Kelly, 
thought she should be focusing on. And I do like, again, in season one, we had things where people's where people's curse personas were just takes on their fairy tale personas. They lived the same experiences, but through a mundane lens. It's interesting that right before the curse was cast, we were told that it's chaos and random, but that in season one, it seemed like, no, it's kind of the same story. And here again, it's kind of the same story. And I, yeah, you're right. I do like that. That is preferable. So Robin tells Zelina to shut the fuck up. She can do as much magic as she wants. She's 18, and that's why she's the same actress she is when she's 24. 25? 25, yes. 25. And Zelina tells her that as long as she lives under her roof, she will obey her rules. Well, she's presumably going to be going to college in the next year or so. Like, Except we know she's not, because Ronnie's going to give her a job at the bar and tell her that school is stupid and give her money to go to Amsterdam. But yeah, exactly. Well, well, and the curse. I think one of the interesting things this scene confirms is the fact that Zelina doesn't have magic. Which is good because listeners will remember last week we were wondering how Zelina had her magic back in the Enchanted Forest. I know this isn't how TV writing works, but it does sort of feel like this episode was written to fill a lot of the plot holes from the last episode. I even said, didn't I even say last week that I wished the episode had been more about the backstory of Zelina and... Regina and Robin and how they had gotten the way they got. Yes. And that's what this episode is, which I, really makes last week's episode seem unnecessary, to be honest. Yeah, kind of. It, it really does feel like they could have just sort of taken the plot necessary stuff from last week and shoved it in here. Mm -hmm. Although a lot of stuff happens in this episode. That's true. It could have been spread over two episodes. I said plot holes. I want to take that back a little. It's not a plot hole when a character is in different circumstances if we meet them 18 years later than they were when we last saw them. Of course, of course. It's not a plot hole. It's just, if we're stopping to ask why they're there, it's probably not good writing. Well, I, I was thinking more of the fact that Zelina had her magic 18 years, or I'm sorry, 25 years after she lost her magic. It makes sense that she would have done something to get it back within those 18 years. Yeah, of course. 25 years. And in fact, we did we did assume last week that she had. We were just like, okay, I guess she got her magic back. But now we find out how she got it back. Which, I mean, again, the circumstances under which she lost her magic were deeply stupid, so. Okay, we didn't talk about it that much last week, but now I'm going to say it. Yeah, they were deeply stupid, but it was also a supreme sacrifice. And if it was going to be such a big sacrifice for her to give up her magic, then from a narrative standpoint, there has to be an equally strong reason for her to get it back. Mm. I don't know. I do kind of just like the anti-climax idea of, yeah, it's been 25 years. My magic came back over time. That's not narratively satisfying. Robin storms out of the vault like you do when you're a teenager. Yes, and she opens a little bottle of, she tried bottling up the potion she was doing to summon forth the goddess. Right. Oh, she doesn't open it. She drops it. She drops it. And when it shatters, a smoke comes up from it and envelops her. Yes. It was just waiting for the most dramatic moment to do this. Um, we know that's how magic works in this show, so that's fine. That is true. Uh, magic is drama powered. So we go back to the palatial estate of Tiana in fairy tale land. Lucy is a baby because this is the flashback structure this episode, which is deeply confusing because a lot of the same people are involved and there's not really enough difference between the two time periods. It's the same set as last week when Lucy was turning eight, except now it's that set with Lucy as an infant. 
Yeah, it's... It's weird that the flashback last week was to the events immediately after and influenced by the events of this week's flashback. That's a weird structure. And that's the kind of weird structure that makes it feel, even though we know, we know this isn't possible, that makes it feel like they're responding to us. Yes. I ha- I really had some issue keeping track of what was happening when this episode, because, again, there's not really enough differentiating the different time periods uh-huh. that much. Like, Zelina and Robin are dressed in modern outfits, and there's bits where... Regina and Zelina are talking in modern outfits. And I'm like, I don't exactly know when this is supposed to be taking place. Yeah. Well, let's try to unravel it together as we go through this episode. Yes. So Henry and uh, Ella are fawning over their newborn daughter. Like you do. When Hook and Regina enter the room, Regina is wearing an outfit which really threw me at first because... It really looks like a boy's adventuring outfit. I was going to say that she looks like a woman disguised as a man in a Shakespearean comedy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a little cleavagey for one of those outfits, but... Those outfits, fun fact, tend to tended to be kind of cleavagey, even though, you know... Yeah. Because it was one of the instances in which women were allowed to kind of show off their bodies because it, they were disguised as boys. Yeah. This is, of course, during the reign of James, after women were allowed to be on stage. Prior to James, these roles were played by boys pretending to be women, pretending to be boys. Hmm. Which is its own level of awesome. I'm sorry, when I was in undergrad, my thesis sponsor was a woman whose whose own specialty was uh, cross-dressing in Shakespearean plays. So I have talked and heard a lot about it. Weirdly enough, this real like her outfit really makes me think of pantomimes, which I've fallen down this big hole of pantomime stuff. You know, in England, they're sort of send ups of classic fairy tales, and they're uh-huh. done with relatively famous actors. And it has an element like I, I was looking up stills from some of them, and there's sort of an element of drag to them I find fascinating. Yeah, I can see that. I'm really disappointed more of these aren't online because it's really, it's a, it's a British thing. You don't see it so much in America. Right. And it's like, oh, there are all these moderately famous British actors who are doing like these goofy takes on fairy tales with drag queens. And I'm so mad I can't watch them, but I'm not going to England just to, you know. Yeah, I guess that's not reasonable. So a portal opens up in uh, Tiana's palace and everyone gets prepared to fight, but then it's Zelina. So I guess anyone can portal willy-nilly between Storybrooke and whatever the hell land this is. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, to be fair, we didn't question why Henry was able to portal at the end of last season slash beginning of this season. No, he had the magic bean. Oh, right. He had a magic bean. Oh, remember when they were going to start growing magic beans again and then they got distracted by all the villains attacking all the time? Yeah. They probably just have, like, a whole field of beans now. Yeah. I mean, they did go through all the effort to get the magic bean in the last episode and then they didn't end up using it specifically so Henry could have one. But, I mean, then again, Storybrooke is a center of magic. It does make sense that you should be able to teleport out of it. It's like a port in the non-magical storm that is the rest of the world without magic. Yeah. 
Zelina comes through this portal that she was able to make. And she's going to have words with Regina. Yes, because it's all Regina's fault that they are in trouble again, and the trouble this time is named Mother Gothel. Weird that she wouldn't go to Emma. Well, she blames Regina, so she's going to make Regina fix it. God. The title card this episode... I did not notice it when we first watched the episode, but... It's the Once Upon a Time, but inside of the O is a woman. Hmm. Yes. A woman surrounded by smoke, as though she was trapped in some sort of ball. Yes, she is contained within the O, as one might be contained within some sort of spherical object. Hmm. Hmm. Isn't isn't there a Disney character who is famously contained within a sphere? Um. No. 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 You're thinking of you're thinking of Glinda the Good Witch, but Disney doesn't actually own that. You know. Ah. Uh. It's one of the three things they don't, and they are so pissed about that. <laughs> I mean, but again, who didn't love the Disney-created uh, Wizard of Oz movie? Oz the Great and Terrible? Was Did, it, wasn't it Oz the Great and Powerful? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, how could I forget? It was such a famous, iconic movie that established all of these, you know, now iconic takes on Oz characters. Now, I don't know, Zelina's Oz place here in this TV show takes from all of that, and surely that was an organic decision and not some sort of attempt to push it on us. Really? Which one is she supposed to be? Is she supposed to be Blorvis or Clovis or Blinkus? Kunis. No, but the witches had the three names. Oh, I don't know. I didn't watch that movie. Yeah, there were three witch sisters, so you didn't know which one of them was going to be the good witch and which one of them was going to be the bad witch and which one of them was probably going to die. And they were like Blorvis and Clovis and Schmoikel. There should have been four witch sisters. Oh my god, I'm so mad at that movie! It's not that difficult! They're named after the cardinal directions, of which there are four! I, I'm so irritated right now. I can't believe you told me that. I'm sorry. I also did not see the movie, so I don't know. Maybe there was a fourth witch sister and she just wasn't in any of the ads or anything. It seems weird that they're like, ooh, which one's going to be the Wicked Witch? Were you really not supposed to know that beforehand? Surely there were... I I feel like I definitely saw shots of Mila Kunis as the Wicked Witch before that movie. I just remember a Cracked article about it where they were talking about how they took pains to hide it, but then they released a Pez dispenser that had Mila Kunis as the Wicked Witch. Oh, studios trying to keep you from being spoiled is just more capitalism. Don't buy into it. There's nothing wrong with spoilers. Well, uh, remember that thing where they're like, the Funko Pops for the Shazam movie are spoiling the Shazam movie. And it's like, is, is anyone paying attention to Funko Pops? People pay attention to Funko Pops. As spoilers, though, I mean, they're all characters from the comics. How do you know that they're specifically in reference to the Shazam movie? This movie has, well, first of all, Funko Pops are branded specifically to the movie, to the comics, to whatever they are. But I'm just immediately amused by, this comic book spoiled the movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's literally how that arc ends. And I didn't like, I didn't like the new 52 take on billy batson but i think the changes they made to the shazam mythos were really interesting and i was glad to see them carried over into the movie now do you remember when the first x-men movie came out vaguely yes do you remember 
all of the spoilery toys that were released for the first X-Men movie. I just remember the one where Jean Grey was trapped in slime. And that was like, really? That doesn't happen in the movie. I, and I remember Melty uh, Senator Kelly, that toy where he's a kebab monster. Um, okay, so you don't remember the toy where Wolverine is stabbing Rogue? No. There was a toy. It was like a little toy set with an action figure Wolverine that had action claws and a toy Rogue that had like the holes lined up on her chest so that the action claws went through her chest. What a weird thing to make a toy from. I mean, it's not, it, it's just a moment where they're establishing her powers more. This was the height of toys for adults that are just recreations of iconic moments. I guess that's kind of an iconic moment from the movies. I don't know if I think of that moment as being iconic because there was a toy of it, or if I would otherwise think it was iconic. But the point is, there was a shit ton of spoilery X-Men toys when that movie came out. And no one complained. No, we did. But we were wrong to do it then, and people are wrong to do it now. Back in the present in Hyperion Heights... Remember when X-Men movies were something you were excited for instead of terrified by? Okay, well... Or tired of. Yeah, I just feel like a sense of tired resignation when there's a new X-Men movie. Like, all right, I guess. They need Although, a clean... Uh, well, We're yeah. done now! Yay, we got through it! We just need a clean sweep, which... Maybe no more? Maybe we can be done with X-Men now? I want there to... Well, the thing that will literally never happen, I want there to be a good Dark Phoenix movie, and that's just straight up never gonna happen. You know what would be good? It would be a really great X-Men cartoon right now. Yeah, which we haven't had an X-Men cartoon since Wolverine and the X-Men. That was almost a decade ago. Wait, was Wolverine and the X-Men after X-Men Evolution? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I will go to bat for X-Men Evolution. Because it's very clearly the best X-Men cartoon. It really is. Yeah. Wolverine and the X-Men, do you remember it at all? No. It's really, really, really vaguely a sequel cartoon to Evolution. Oh, so it's the same high school AU storyline? No, see, that's the thing. It can be a sequel cartoon to X-Men Evolution. It's probably not, but it theoretically could be. Okay, so what is the actual, like, plot? Alright, so the plot is about two, three years ago, there was an explosion at the Xavier School, Jean Grey and the Professor went missing, and the X-Men broke up. Okay. Wolverine's like, okay, so there's new anti-mutant legislation, the world is getting much worse, the world needs the X-Men again, so it's all about him putting the X-Men back together. And uh, it was fine. There are a lot of people who like it a lot. I'm not really a huge fan of it. Like, it has cool... The Nightcrawler episodes are cool. Because Nightcrawler's in the show, but he's not a part of the team. So all of his episodes are, like, solo adventures. Huh. And, like, it had some cool things, but it was really, really far up Wolverine's ass. And that's not a place I'm particularly comfortable with. Well, I mean, that's that's where everyone was at that point in time. That was the great thing about Evolution. Wolverine was a cool character, and he didn't do all that much. That's true. Hey, did Evolution do a Dark Phoenix storyline? No, they hinted at it in the last episode, when Professor X has that vision of the future. Okay, I feel like every version of X-Men at some point does the Dark Phoenix storyline. Well, Wolverine and the X-Men did, and it was terrible. It turns out the explosion that... 
was oh of course of course that makes total sense yeah and the hellfire club had gene and they were trying to blah 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 and then emma frost ends up saving Jean gray by taking the phoenix into herself and then exploding no and i'm like that's wrong on so many levels so i don't know if you're aware of this but you know how a bunch of chefs will test sous chefs like that they're thinking about hiring by having them make scrambled eggs i didn't know that because it's a dish that seems like it should be easy, but there's actually a lot of ways to trip up doing it. So it's actually a really good, simple dish that everyone thinks they can make, but actually has a several steps where you can show expertise. Mm-hmm. So if you are auditioning someone to write for the X-Men, I think just the standard test to audition someone to write for the X-Men should be a treatment for the Dark Phoenix Saga <laughs> as a movie. I do like that idea. So... Uh, We cut back to the real world where Henry and Jacinda are in the hospital crying over Lucy's dead, deceased coma corpse. The real world in Hyperion Heights in the present, not the real world in Storybrooke, which we already started in. Yes, you can see how I got confused over the course of this episode. I do, I do. So Regina has come to the hospital and she has brought Zelina with her. They're staring kind of creepily just behind the coma watching wall well they're outside the room has glass walls with kind of it's frosted up to the waist and they're standing outside watching it's weird aesthetics hospital it is weird aesthetics uh regina is wearing a scarf which is carrying on the theme of regina trying to dress like regina but with ronnie's wardrobe so she's wearing a scarf that i can kind of see regina wearing except it's got this cool star print on it which seems very ronnie just wanted to point it out also if you want to buy me that scarf i won't say no so regina checks in on henry how's he doing how's lucy and henry's like she's stable nothing's really changed she's not getting better and i'm you know frustrated because there's nothing i can do i i don't like being in a position where i can't do anything It's why it's really hard to be in a hospital with someone. You're completely helpless. All you can do is be there while doctors do things. And especially in this case, you know, it's magical. So the doctors can't do anything either. And you don't know that. You just know that nothing's happening. But Ronnie tells him, Regina, Ronnie, tells him that he's a believer and she knows that his faith is going to get them through. But in a cool once upon a time way, not in a horrifying way like that movie breakthrough which makes me super angry that movie where your kid got better because you prayed hard enough therefore implying that every kid that doesn't get better isn't better because you didn't pray hard enough god i hate that trope i really want to see that movie and have it turn out that she actually uses dark magic to bring the kid back and like she thinks that it's uh you know her faith in god that's doing it but actually she's tapping into some deeper power Oh, wouldn't it be amazing if they did that movie like that with that plot in, like, the pastiche of the 60s satanic movies? Mm. Oh, man. Well, one of the things I like about we were finally watching the third season of Riverdale now that it's on Netflix. And one of the things I like about it is the fact that it is done as though it was an 80s era D&D scare film. Yeah, and it's funny because it leans into the aesthetic so much that I'm loving the insanity of it as opposed to being annoyed at the anti dnd of it because it's just it's so over the top that i'm loving something that i would normally be annoyed by yeah because dnd is a cult that will trick you into killing your fellow schoolmates of course everyone knows that so 
Anyway, yes, Ronnie tells Henry that he's a believer and Lucy's a believer and believers can do whatever believers believe they can do. And he's like, thank you for that very nonspecific advice and wanders off. And then Zelina commiserates with Regina and is like, wow, that's rough. He's your son, but he doesn't know he's your son. And you have to stand there and like mother him and love him, but he doesn't know who you are. So it's probably like just a knife in the gut every time you talk to him. And Regina's like, yeah, thanks for the recap. Yeah, thank you, Captain Exposition. Zelina's like, look, it's easy. We just find a way to get Lucy out of the coma that isn't breaking the curse. Because remember, if you break the curse, then Henry's going to die of mushroom poison. Yes. <sighs> okay. So the two of them have a nice sister. We can do whatever we think we can do if we work together moment as they stand over, you know, Jacinda sobbing over Lucy's body. Yeah. Zelina's like, wicked and evil, back together again. And Regina's like, no, we're not doing that anymore. Now we're doing sisters, doing it for themselves. So uh, we cut to, I wanted to say the past, but it's not. We cut to the secret well where everyone's trapped. This is the problem with this episode because it all takes place in the real world-ish, so. It all takes place with the same characters looking the same. Yes, it all takes place with the same characters looking the same in not exactly dissimilar locations. So whenever it changes scenes, it kind of takes you a bit to be like, okay, when are we? Yeah. Did you ever actually see the Gwyneth Paltrow movie Sliding Doors? No, that's the one where she dies a whole bunch, right? No. Twice? She doesn't die at all in that movie. Oh. I thought like there was one timeline where she went with the guy and there's one timeline where she didn't and she ends up dying in both of them. Okay, the movie might end with her dying at the end of both. I don't remember how it ends, but... No, I'm pretty sure it doesn't. No, I'm 100% sure it doesn't, because I just remembered how it ends. Um, but she she misses she misses the subway in one timeline and catches the subway in the other timeline. And it's just the wildly different path her life goes down, depending on whether she caught the subway car or not. Mm-hmm. And then got home in time to see her husband cheating on her. That's the... Uh. Um, but one of the Gwyneth Paltrow's has her hair done in a radically different style early on, so that you always know which Gwyneth Paltrow you're dealing with. I feel like we need something like that here. Well, this is the timeline where Zelina shaved her head. Exactly! Past her could have had the, I want to speak to your manager cut. Oh my god, yes. Or it could be like, this is the timeline where... This is the timeline where Zelina got a bunch of intense face tattoos. This is the timeline where Regina has a mohawk. Anyway, Mother Gothel goes into the well room in the present. It's it's so weird because she uh, she's feeding uh, Anastasia breakfast in this room and then she just brings her into the well room and she's like, say hello to your mother. Yeah, and she has her mother like tied up to the thing that the bucket that you dip into the well would go into. So when she pulls her up, like she's just hanging there over the well. Because all Anastasia wants is to go home with her mother. She's like, this world is creepy and horrifying and weird and i don't like being able to do magic i just want to go back to my old life living with my mother and my sisters and my dad yeah so mother gothel brings up lady tremaine slash rapunzel trust up like a fish from the uh well yeah it's weird it's it's creepy and she basically lays out she expositions out all of the bad stuff that victoria has done she's like um, she killed your dad, 
and your sister. Yeah, she killed your dad. She attempted to rip out your sister's heart. She made Ella into her slave. Yeah, and now, and in order to wake you up, she put your niece into a coma. And Anastasia's like, mother, is this true? And Victoria's like, well, yes, it's true, but you don't understand. That was before the storyline pivoted. Yeah, she said, I did it all for my family, which Anastasia does not, but I would go, most of the people you murdered, attempted to murder, or enslaved are your family. I think they all are. Yeah, like, seriously? Seriously? Also, I do really like that this sort of hammers into the fact that Ella grew up as Anastasia's sister. Yes, you know, it's a thing I didn't really think about, especially since we spent so long with adult Jacinda. Like, this Anastasia will think of adult Jacinda as her sister. Yeah. Which she is. Yeah. So... Anastasia runs horrified out of the room, and Gothel's like, See, that's the thing about doing horrible shit. People hate you after you do it. And then she just drops her back into the well. Like, really hard. Like, she should be dead right now. Yeah, I'm surprised she doesn't have broken legs, because she just wham! And Ivy's like, so did you have fun up there? (laughs) Ivy's just standing there all, like, arms crossed, like, you're suffering because of all of the actions you took, mother. And Victoria's like, we're both in this well, bitch! Although, honestly, if Victoria had been a better mother, they probably wouldn't be. Okay, no, like, I'm having so much trouble with this. We pivoted the storyline. We're not there anymore. Like, okay, Victoria in the first few episodes was an incredible bitch, and she was terrible to Ivy, and yes, okay. But... Two weeks ago, we saw the way that Rapunzel was treated, and I don't think her behavior was that out of line for the way you would expect somebody you treated like that to act. And she wasn't ever bad to Ivy prior to, you know. Well, the thing is, we just don't see her interacting with Ivy at all outside of, like, the one scene where Ivy's like, I don't want to spend time with you, weird woman who just came back into my life. Yeah, what's weird is you have to think, okay, so after the ice crash thing, so after Ella and Anastasia fall through the ice and Marcus saves Ella but not Anastasia, and then they get Anastasia and they put her into the coma so that she can be woken up later. So at some point after that, Victoria kills Marcus. Yes. And then becomes the evil stepmother to... Ella, and just like a total bitch to Drizella, which makes sense because Drizella was such a bitch to her when she got back, but Rapunzel slash Victoria slash Lady Tremaine is the adult, so she should not have become a bitch to her at that point. Also, to be fair to Drizella, Rapunzel came back into her life and then murdered her two other parental figures. Yeah, I guess that is what happened. Okay, I guess I can see things from Drizella's point of view. Right. Like, it seemed like they had a pretty cohesive family unit up till that point. Yeah, but they got that cohesive family unit by being so terrible to Rapunzel, who literally gave up everything for them. I mean, that I would put that on Marcus. Yeah, yes, Marcus is the Marcus is the only one who deserved to die. One of our one of our listeners said this on our on the Facebook page on 
the Welcome to Television Facebook page we have. And I just, I was just like, ah, a person after my own heart. Because I'm always like, just kill Marcus and then you all form a family unit together. That's obviously the answer. And then they would all still be there and happy and none of this would be happening. I mean, honestly, if they didn't just, I don't get what the upside to turning her into a servant was going to be. Like, even if you just had her as, like, a lady of the house, make up some, like, fancy position and then have her sit around the house not doing anything. Yeah, just, like, have her, I mean, I I can see how it would be painful for her to be with Marcus but not be with Marcus since she still loves him. But, yeah, just have her be another lady. Like, what, lady, the station, not lady, a woman. Yes. I do have I do have to say, and I didn't say this earlier because it's spoilers, but it's spoilers for a show that ended 10 years ago, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. Yes. So if you don't want to hear spoilers for Big Love. All right. Jennifer Goodwin's previous project. Skip ahead like 20, 30 seconds. Yes. That show ends with Bill Paxton dying and the three sister wives forming their own family unit to raise all of the kids together. And I was like, yay, happy ending. I mean, that should have been how the show started. I, you know what? I would have liked a sequel series to that show. It's true. So back to Once Upon a Time. In the main timeline, in the current day timeline. In Hyperion Heights. In Hyperion Heights. Zelina is calling Robin and she's leaving a voicemail saying, basically, I just need to know that you're safe and hear your voice because Zelina is awake, but Robin is not. So Zelina knows that Robin might be in danger. Well, since Regina has that giant whiskey bottle full of uncursing potion. No, I think it's since it's magic and it doesn't dilute, but once you use it on one person, it's used up, mm. even though there's still whiskey in there. So, yes, I, I guess there's no way to wake up Robin. I mean, yeah, probably not at this point. So Mother Gothel shows up behind Zelina and she's like, daughters can be so ungrateful, can't they? And... Zelina's like, oh my god, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And Gothel's like, oh my god, I'm going to fucking kill you? Or oh my god, I'm going to fucking join you in my new coven of eight. And Zelina's like, what, what, what's the voice you're doing? What are you doing there? I was gonna ask you what the voice you were doing was. Yeah, I, she's not really doing the over-the-top evil voice so much here. She, uh, she does have a weird voice that she's doing in this episode, though. It's husky earth mother i guess if i had to that sound that's incredible that's that's completely appropriate because we'll find out in a couple of scenes that mother gothel is also mother nature you know how regina's magic was powered by rage and zelina's uh, magic was powered by envy yes it turns out mother gothel's magic is powered by nature themed wordplay it's true although i have to say i I just kind of dismissively said, I guess, Mother Gothel's Mother Nature. But I do like Mother Gothel being Mother Nature because it's like she comes and she is a force that you can't really control and she you don't really know what she wants and she takes your children. The way that that invokes the concept of a garden is interesting because a garden is inherently man's... Attempt to tend nature. Man's attempt to control and contain nature. Yeah. And actually, that makes Secret Garden a really good parallel here, because the Secret Garden of Secret Garden is specifically not a maintained English garden. It's kind of overgrown, just 
taken care of but allowed to grow the way that it wants to grow. Mm -hmm. So that seems appropriate here. Yes. So Gothel tells Zelina, look, we can wake up your niece, grandniece. Grandniece. Yes, grandniece. We can wake up your grandniece, uh, me and my little Anastasia. And and the coven of witches that she's gathering. This is an attempt to recruit Zelina into her coven. Yes, you will owe me one. Like, if... Uh, first, you need to do something to prove your loyalty to me. And once you do that, we'll wake up, uh, we'll wake up Lucy, and then you'll be part of us. Which is weird, because she already tried to recruit Zelina into her coven of eight before, and it didn't work. But I guess the difference is that now they have an unconscious... Lucy to use as a hostage, but do you really want someone to join your coven who joined because you threatened them? I don't know. Well, I think she really, like, she's throwing that in there, but it's really about her doing the thing that will prove Zelina's willingness to go along. She really just wants the, spoilers for later in this episode, Resurrection Stone. Yeah, well, I mean, we may as well get into it because the next scene is Zelina telling Regina in the stairwell of the hospital that... Gothel will wake up Lucy if they get the resurrection amulet and bring it to her at the place she's staying, which it turns out is the botanical garden. So I guess that's where the well is. It's in some sort of structure in the botanical gardens. All right. Okay. And Zelina calls her that she she calls her a dirty hippie witch bitch. And I'm like, it's too many words. You choose, choose, lose, lose one adjective. You choose two and you go with them. Regina's like, you can't give her the resurrection amulet. It's a powerful piece of magic. And also you don't know where it is. And Zelina's like, I know that. I just told her I would to buy us time. Yeah, like we just need to bring her the resurrection amulet and then hit her over the head with a mallet and take Anastasia. You sure. know, while she's distracted with the shiny thing, one of us comes up with the shiny thing. The other one comes up behind her, clonk, grabs the girl. Because, I mean, it's all just Anastasia's magic thereafter. That's true. Um, we cut from this scene to Regina and Zelina standing in identical positions, looking identical, except with slightly different outfits, back in the past, in fake fairy tale land, where Zelina has just teleported in and is explaining to Regina that Mother Gothel was summoned and kidnapped Robin. Yes, Although I do love the lead into this. Zelina is yelling at Regina for giving Robin their mother's spell book. Yes. And she's like, this book that a lot of people choose to live their life by uses metaphors to make points. And if taken literally, it could be very dangerous. And Regina's like, are, are you trying to have subtext here? And Zelina's like, shh, no, it's not going to be important after this scene. I didn't really pick up on that particular undertone i like that i mean i don't really think there's enough evidence in universe to support it but i'm gonna go with it though uh, she is talking about how although this book can be positive in the right hands it can very easily be used dangerously if misinterpreted yes. willfully or otherwise yes all of this is interrupted by hook who hears them talking about gothel and wants to uh and wants to get in on this conversation since Gothel is the woman that he fathered a child with. And then and then she poisoned his heart. So now he's separated from the daughter he loves. And Zelina, reminding us all what's going on, is like, 
I literally just left you behind in Storybrooke. Oh, right. There's like two of you. There's like a whole thing. Yeah. She starts calling him not hook or nook for short. Oh, I thought nook was short for new hook. Oh. Nook. Yeah, she really tries to make nook happen in this episode. I don't really get why she came here because she's mostly just yelling at Regina. That's why she came here to yell at Regina. It's Regina's fault that her daughter is gone, so she came here to yell at Regina. You are right, it is new hook, not not hook. But yes, so her daughter's missing, so naturally she came to yell at Regina and then accidentally recruit new hook. Yeah, Hook's like, wait, we're gonna go beat up Gothel? I'll come with you to beat up Gothel. And Selena's like, but we're not on the same mission. And Hook's like, I I I don't care. We have the same end, which is beat up Gothel. And she's like, you're not going to be useful here. You don't have magic. And he's like, look who's talking, motherfucker. And she's like, damn it, point. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now we get the team up everybody has been waiting for. Zelina and Nook. No one's been waiting for that. Literally no one ever anywhere. No. Also, Amazon will sue you. I don't. I don't think they have a. I don't think they have a leg to stand on there. I don't know. Do you remember when the? Uh, oh God, I forget. Those brothers tried to sue everyone. Uh, the, those YouTube brothers who had like, oh God, what was it? it? Was like Let's Try or? Oh, the Try Guys. No, no, the Reacts brothers. Okay. Who like old people react to Pokemon or young people react to VCRs? They had a channel that did that. Uh huh. And then they tried to. Uh, they tried to copyright it and have YouTube take down any, you know, so-and-so reacts to X videos on YouTube that wasn't part of their thing. And they immediately lost, like, they, they were, like, one of the top YouTube channels and they lost all of their things because everyone's like, oh, my God, really? Really? You're trying to make react belong to you? I don't want to get into it, but... Barnes and Noble is not a dumbass. Barnes and Noble owns the Nook, not Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble is not a dumbass YouTuber, so they're I'm... they're gonna know that the trademark they hold on the word Nook only applies to using it in commerce For... as an electronic tablet-like book reading device, and not as avenging pirates. So they don't really have a case. But you want, can I do a fun trademark digression? Sure. I was going to say, Barnes & Noble is probably pretty desperate. They're going out of business, so oh. it might be a last-ditch effort thing. Maybe. To get some of that sweet, sweet Disney money. Yes. Okay, I'm going to do a fun trademark digression about the word Apple. All right. Apple Records trademarked the word Apple when used in conjunction with music. Apple Records most famously produced the Beatles. Yes. And then this computer company comes along and they trademark the word Apple when used in computers, which is fine because there's no overlap between computers and music. Mm. And then like fast forward several years later and it became an actual issue that they had to like resolve with lawyers, which is fun because technology moves forwards and all of a sudden you want to start Apple Music and Apple Records already has a trademark on it. And then as a result, you can't have the Beatles on iTunes for like 15 years, although they finally took care of that. Now you can buy Beatles on, well, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. You can buy Beatles on Apple Music now, which makes sense because of course you can. Who got custody of Fiona Apple? Right. So back in 
Hyperion Heights in the present. Uh, we revisit Weaver, who is talking to Hook. I was going to say Hook and Alice, but I guess it's just Hook. Yeah. Alice has been hanging out in the background of a lot of scenes. I'm never entirely sure when she is and isn't there. It's a very Alice thing. So uh, Weaver's like, hey, I'm going to give you some of the truth about what went down with Eloise Gardner. Yes, Weaver pulls out the coin that has the symbol of the Coven of the Eight on it. And he explains that the Coven of the Eight is a cult. And Eloise is actually involved in a cult. And that the reason that Victoria Belfry abducted Eloise Gardner is because the cult had taken her daughter, Anastasia, not Ivy. And she was trying to get Eloise Gardner to tell her where where uh, Anastasia was and what they had done with her, which is still not super legal. Yeah, no, it's still not okay. Also, it's not that far from the actual truth, just without talking about magic. And then Hook is like, no, that can't possibly be right because Eloise Gardner's a victim. I know because I know victims. And I'm like, not really, Hook. You're wrong. Like, you're not just factually wrong, but she's not behaving in a way I know that you can't say that this is the behavior of a victim. That's that way lies ignoring victims, but stop thinking, you know, everything you're, you're wrong. And everything we see doesn't even lead to the same conclusions you've reached. Yeah. Also her story's super full of holes. And like, there's a lot of things that are weird about what's going on with Eloise Gardner. Basically hook is like, I just have to trust my gut and Weaver and the rest of us are like, your gut is an idiot. Yeah, he's like, she's innocent and I'm going to prove it. And Weaver's like, yeah, whatever. I just want you out so I can do my weird magic stuff. I mean, not magic stuff. Magic doesn't exist. Back at the hospital. A lady doctor is telling them that they're looking for possible family members. uh, So they might try some transfusing shit or something. They want to type all of Lucy's blood relations in case she needs... An emergency bone marrow transfusion in case, like, she needs an emergency kidney. You know, whatever whatever it is, they basically want to know who's a match for her right now. By the way, uh, Nick is there in this scene. This is the first time we've seen Nick since Lucy was hospitalized, but I guess they did call Nick, so. Yeah, uh, Jacinda did tell uh, Tiana to call. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first time we've seen Nick, although he does not get to do or say anything. He's like Jubilee in an early 2000s X-Men book. Yes. He is there, but he cannot do or say anything. Correct. Now, Henry sees a copy of his Once Upon a Time book, and he thinks about all of the things Regina says to him about him being a man of belief. So he tells the doctor, by the way, Jacinda and Nick are gone at this point. They've gone off to be tested. He tells the doctor that he wants to be tested too. Even though he's on a blood relation and there's like a one in a million chance that he's a match, he just wants to, you know, take that one. One in a million isn't zero. Yeah, because the doctor's like, you know, there's almost no chance that you're going to have anything she can use. And he's like, I mean, blood probably. There's probably lots of stuff I have that she could use. But yes, you should test me in case there's anything I can contribute. Also, I mean, just throwing this out there, he could be part of a, he could be part of a domino donation. Yeah. I just, I I only bring that up because I feel like domino donations are the coolest thing. Um, In case our listeners don't know what that is, it's when a person, so say Henry is not a match for Lucy, but there's some other woman in like 
some hospital in Portland who needs a kidney and Henry is a match for her. And so he gives her his kidney and then she has a family member who wants to help out, but she's not a match for that woman. She's a match for some kid in California. So that person gives a kidney to the kid in California. And then that kid in California has a sister who wants to give a kidney and is a match for Lucy. And she gives a kidney to Lucy. And I just feel like domino donations are a really cool thing. Usually there's somebody in the chain of the domino donation who is just a good Samaritan who's just giving a donation without having a family member that they that is part of the domino because usually it doesn't work out how nicely as I just put it in my example. Yes, but yeah. Uh, So we cut from that to back to the bottom of the well where Victoria and Ivy are having some uncomfortable mother-daughter time. Yeah, that's the thing about being trapped in a well. Victoria has this weird speech where she's like, I should want to let you rot in here, but the mother in me wants to take care of you. So I'm going to get us both out here, uh, both out of here. And I was like, really? And she's like, well, the daughter, the daughter I actually love needs me. Yes. And then Ivy takes off her shoe, which she makes sure to tell everyone is a Louboutin and shows to the camera so that we can all see it's a Louboutin. And she throws it fucking dead-eye aim at the rope that it should be attached to a bucket above the well and, like, knocks the mechanism so the rope falls down so that they can climb out of there. Yeah, it's a real Hawkeye move there. Yeah. She's a regular Kate Bishop. (laughs) Yes. So we got from that to Zelina and Regina going back to the bar, which I swear to God looks bigger than it has at any point it grows, prior. It grows a few square feet every single episode. Zelina lets us know that this used to be her bar, but when it was her bar, it had, like, peanut shells on the floor, and it was grimier, and Regina says it used to be a dump, and Zelina corrects her, it used to be a dive, a specific thing that bars aim to be. But the reason Regina brought her to the bar is because... Victoria was so obsessed with buying the bar from Regina back when she thought she was Ronnie that Regina thinks that the amulet must be hidden in the bar somewhere. Gothel's plans never involve the amulet, though. This is the first time we're hearing about the stupid amulet. I I mean, fine, but... We just need to get to the next scene, Max. Yeah, this this is season finale rules where stuff just is happening because it needs to happen. Even though it's only episode 11. Yes. It's probably not a good time that we're already invoking season finale rules in episode 11. So, Hook and Zelina in the flashback are trying to find the secret location of Gothel. Yeah, they're trying to find the secret location of, like, a witch shop where they think Gothel is. And Hook has a map that leads them there, but... It hasn't led them there. This is kind of a little bit of a callback to Hook's cartography thing, which came up a lot when he was first introduced. You know, he had skills with pirate maps, and that's how he could find stuff for Korra. Yeah, that is an underutilized Hook skill. But Hook stomps around a little bit until he finds the invisible door and opens it up, leading them into the shop. Madame Leota's. Madame Leota's. Y'all, basically every line that Madame Leota has in this scene is from the Haunted Mansion spiel. I got really excited watching this scene. I was like, ah! And I even, like, started saying her lines along with her because I love the Haunted Mansion. That is all. It's true. What this really reminded me of was 
Willow and Amy going to Iraq in season six of Buffy. Oh, I was thinking, I was thinking a lot more about the scene from Brave with the witch, mm. which is great because that makes the witch from Brave Madame Leota. We've already had the witch from Brave, though, although maybe this is a different universe witch from Brave. It is. Yeah, it's a different dimension. Yeah, exactly. God. Yeah, let's bring back the Brave stuff. That was great. It could have been. It could have been. So. Madame Leota is sitting in her crystal ball doing her talky thing. The makeup is not great. I don't have a problem with the makeup. It's it's very extreme. It's very extreme makeup, but she's also a woman trapped inside of a blue crystal ball, so it's fine with me. Where is she? You dare interrupt my seance. I am Madame Leota, maestro medium. Do I look like I give it up? Miss me, did you? What did you do to my daughter? Give us the girl and then we'll leave. You and I will have a reckoning another day. Leave? Ha. This chamber has no windows and no doors. Which offers you this chilling challenge. To find a way out. Of course. There's always my way. Of course, Madame Leota's way is zapping them with electricity and presumably killing them and not in fact because it's the it's the ghostly host it's the ghost host who delivers this speech in the haunted mansion and there my way is committing suicide there's a flash of lightning and you see him hanging from the ceiling of the chamber at that point mm. so same words different tone yes so i do kind of love this it's a little bit that bit in a uh, futurama where al gore's head is uh talking about uh, how best to fix global warming in Farnsworth and what's-his-face start arguing. And Al Gore's head just shoots lightning out of its eyes and zaps both of them, and then he's like, I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> I had <laughs> not thought about people inside of crystal balls being similar to the heads in a jar from Futurama, but there's definitely some similarities. But Robin runs into the room and she uses her newfound magic skills to stop Madame Leota from magic blasting her mom and step-uncle. Okay, wait, hold on. Let me think about this for a second. Okay, so Emma's relationship to Zelina mm -hmm. is... Which way are you taking this? Because Zelina is Henry's aunt. Which would make Emma her sister-in-law. Okay. Loosely. Which would make Nook the alternate universe version of Robin's uncle. Yes. Or you can go through it the different way, where Emma is uh, Regina's granddaughter. Right. In which case she is Zelina's grandniece, and Hook is her grandnephew-in-law. Which makes him Robin's grand cousin-in-law. Okay, wait. Who's who's Emma? Who is Emma to to Robin? Emma is Robin's. She'd be cousin, right? Cause she's the she's the child. Cause her... she's the grandchild of Robin's aunt. Robin's aunt's children would be her cousins. It'd be well, wait, wait, because Snow, because we're in this instance, we're talking about Snow White as Regina's daughter, right? So Snow White is Regina's daughter, which makes Snow White Robin's cousin, 
So her cousin's daughter, Emma, is her cousin once removed. So Hook is her cousin once removed in law. So Nook is the mirror image of her cousin once removed in law or the mirror image of her uncle. Yes, her alternate reality step-uncle. Stumple. Well, he's not a step-uncle. He's an uncle-in-law. Which I feel like, I feel like you don't call uncles and aunts uncles or aunts-in-law. It's just your uncle or your aunt. Yeah. Perhaps you might add by marriage, which is, of course, what in-law means. Okay. So. Okay, so Robin busts up. (laughs) So Robin busts up this fight and keeps her mother and Nook from being attacked. Yes, she uses the magic to stop the zapping. And Selena's like, I'm here to rescue you. And Robin's like, from learning magic? Like, I'm learning magic and I'm 18. I'm fine. Like, you're stopping. Like, you have no power here. Yep. Robin says that she's here by choice, not being kidnapped. And so... Yeah, get out. Zelina's got to go now. It's kind of cool because Madame Leota got rid of the doors and windows before doing her little zappy trick. And then Robin like points at the wall and she makes a door and she's like there's a door now use it yeah um i also think it's cool that robin is wearing a school blazer right now she's wearing a white colored shirt and a school blazer well we know that the schools in storybrook require a uniform right she's probably just wearing her school uniform which is probably what she was wearing underneath the cloak in the first scene that we saw her and it's probably what she was kidnapped in but it gives the whole thing a very Hogwarts feel. Yeah, there's a real Hogwarts vibe here. Although, you know, I said Hogwarts for the sake of our listeners, but really the first thing that occurred to me was break bills. Oh, man. Which makes a lot of sense considering how this all turns out. Yeah, and because she's very clearly in her 20s. Right, so it's magical college. Yes. As Zelina's leaving, we see the name of the shop, which is Memento Mori, which is one of my favorite Latin phrases. It means remember you will die. Keeps you humble. Mm. So Nook and Zelina dramatically sweep out, but she's like, this isn't over. And Mother Gothel's like, feels, feels over. Feels pretty over to me. I do like that this scene ends with Hook and Zelina essentially just storming out of the room. Just the way that the scene in Regina's vault ended with Robin storming out of the vault. It's pretty great. So Victoria and Ivy have escaped the well back in Seattle. And Victoria's like, I know that we haven't always seen eye to eye, but I think we should team up because, you know, if we team up, then we can accomplish more things together. Working together, we can defeat Gothel and save Anastasia. She has this, like, manic face right now, Victoria does, because she's trying so hard to convince Ivy to team up with her, and she obviously does not have any actual care for Ivy in her heart. Which Ivy points out, Ivy's like... Why would I help you? The only times you've ever done anything for me has been in, you know, as a way to help Anastasia. You've never given me any maternal warmth. And Victoria says, well, maybe you didn't deserve maternal warmth. Yeah, she's like, you never gave me any childly warmth. And it's like, that's not how it works. You gotta be the parent no matter how shitty your kids are. Yeah, like, seriously, seriously. And then, okay, but but then I get pissed off in the very next sentence. Because the very next sentence, Ivy reveals that the paper lanterns that they sent up every night for Rapunzel were her idea. But that does not track with what we saw. I could believe it. I could think that it was her thing. And then she's like, 
after about three years or so, she's like, eh, fuck it. And, you know, Anastasia kept going with it. I guess. Like, it's not outside of the realm of possibility, especially if she was a really young kid. Okay, I guess. Anyway, this scene ends, as all scenes are contractually obligated to end in this episode, apparently, with Ivy storming out of the room. But also, like you said, your kid doesn't need to show you. Also, like, she was uncomfortable around you for about, what, a month? And then you killed both of her parents? Oh, yeah, to be clear, to, to be clear, I'm not sympathizing with victoria in this scene i'm mad at the show for telling me things that are contrary to what it has shown me yes accurate so we go back to gothel and anastasia they're in gothel's house and anastasia i just want to say sometimes they call her anastasia and sometimes they call her anastasia yes anastasia to to maintain that i feel like i should always call her anastasia and you should always call her anastasia i've just been calling her whatever comes to mouth this child of Victoria Belfries, <laughs> who is not Ivy, is watching more of those weird generic cartoons. It's just like a little crescent moon moving back and forth. You know what it really makes me think of is the episode of 30 Rock where Liz Lemon's weird introduction is the thing that's on TV when people are watching TV on TV. Yeah. Yeah. So, Gothel's trying to bond with Anastasia. She's like, look, we're very similar. People wanted to use me for my magical powers. Like, I want to use you for your magical powers. So let me use your magical powers. Shut up. Shut up and give me your magic. I want to say before we get too far into this scene that we haven't mentioned it before, but the child actor they cast as Anastasia is really good, is a really good visual casting because... She has really large eyes, which is like the best way to indicate haunted or magical children. Yes. She's also very good at looking panicked. Which comes in handy in this scene because her magic starts going crazy because she senses that someone is near and she does not want to have to deal with one more goddamn thing today. Seriously. she I mean, to her, like, credit to her, she's been through a lot today. Yeah, right? Like, you wake up after you've been in an ice coma for years you find out your mom killed a bunch of people. All of the people you knew as, you know, your sisters are now adults and some of them are evil now. The only woman who you feel like you can trust makes you accidentally steal your sister's power. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Mother Gothel tells Anastasia to hide in the closet and that she won't let whoever's coming take her away. So she, I do love how she just shoves her into the closet. Which is great because, of course... In this universe, it is Gothel who was hidden away in the closet. Now she's hidden Anastasia in the closet. And Hook shows up. Yes, Hook was the mysterious person at the door who was causing Anastasia to freak out. And he's like, so, watching cartoons while eating chocolatey cereal, huh? And uh, Gothel's like, yeah, kind of a weird thing. Like, I I feel comforted by doing childish things after, you know, I was kidnapped for a decade. Right? Right. I mean, it's not that weird. Lots of people watch cartoons, Hook. I mean, you and I watch cartoons and eat cereal a lot, and we don't have recent trauma. Yes. The way that Gothel does. Hook starts to wander towards the closet where Anastasia is, and Gothel breaks a cup, 
so to distract his attention. And that successfully convinces him to leave the apartment. World's best detective over here. Yeah. Oh, a glass broke? I guess I'll leave. Well, Gothel says that she needs to go to her art therapy classes, and she asks him to take her. So Gothel has successfully managed to hide Anastasia for another day. Back at the hospital... We see the new lady doctor who we're getting a lot of FaceTime with. Her name is Dr. Sage, by the way. Hmm. I wonder if that's a reference to anything. I don't know, but it is another plant. Huh. Yeah, just... Putting that out in the universe. Exactly. So, Dr. Sage... Is is getting a drink from the vending machine, and Jacinda comes up and is like, Do you have news about my child yet? And... She's like, nope, bye. Well, she's a doctor. She's got a lot of patience. She's moving as fast as she can. I know it's your daughter. I know it's hard, but whatever. So Henry comes up and he's like, who do you think Lucy would say she is? Dr. Doolittle? Dr. Strange? We're owned by Marvel, you know. And Jacinda calls her doctor takes her sweet time. (laughs) But Jacinda notices that Henry has a blood taking patch thing on. A band-aid? Well, it's a cotton swab with medical tape over it. Yeah. But she's like, what's going on? He's like, well, you know, I I got tested to see if I would match with her. Because, I mean, like, Ronnie told me about the importance of belief. Belief is really important to Lucy, and belief is important to me, too. And I believe that there's some if there's something I can do to help, then I should do it. And Jacinda's like, I'm probably going to have sex with you later. Yeah, they go off to split an Apollo bar, which is, like, basically foreplay. Yeah. Meanwhile, Hook goes back to Weaver, and he's like, yeah, so there's definitely something going on with Eloise Gardner. Like, it was suspicious as hell. And Weaver's like, look, I'm giving you stuff just so you'll stop bothering me. This is a list of gardens and greenhouses that may be associated with the cult. Why don't you check them out and see if you can find a cult anywhere? Yeah. Weaver just keeps giving Hook busy work to keep him out of his, uh... Way. Yes. He says that the cult does a ritual that involves a sacred orchid, and maybe he should go find that sacred orchid, which they will use in their ritual sacrifice. So, back in the flashback, Hook's like, hey, look, I've had some trouble with my daughter who was trapped in a tower, too. She didn't always want to do what I say, but she was trapped in a tower, so she... She basically had to. Is this helping? Is this helping you with your situation? And Selena's like, no, no, it's not. Yeah, Zelina is not happy. She's like, God damn, Gothel has my kid right now. Also, I feel really dumb because my whole backstory involved my father not letting me learn magic. And then for no understandable reason, I prevented my child from learning magic. I'm not really sure what's going on here motivation wise. Also, I feel helpless because now I don't have magic, and maybe if I had magic, it would make up for the fact that I wouldn't let my daughter do magic, because magic, 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 magic. And Hook's like, you have love. That's stronger than magic. And Zelina's like, okay, you shut the fuck up. My love is stronger than the vast majority of explosions. But yeah, so he's like, look, why don't you try shutting up and being an actual fucking parent? Have you thought about shutting up and being an actual fucking parent? And she's like, I never thought about being an actual fucking parent. I thought you just yelled at your kids and didn't let them use magic. To be fair, that is how she was raised. So, okay, that makes sense. I really feel like some other people probably, like, I know it's her daughter, but I feel like some other people probably should have stepped in at some point. 
Yeah, I agree. I, maybe one of those people should have been Regina. I was thinking Emma. I know Emma's less family related, but... She is related, though. We just talked about it. Yes, she is. She is related. And I, actually, no. Yeah, like Regina raised Henry, who's a pretty good kid. And Emma raised Henry. And he was an actually good kid after that. So, yeah, like they've both had experiences raising Henry. Maybe you should have talked to them more. Back in Hyperion Heights, Regina and Zelina are in the bar looking for the amulet. And they come across the stained glass sign that used to be the bar sign, which is, which names the bar Kelly and Ronnie's Pub. And Kelly is green and Ronnie is purple oh. in the coloring of the sign. Yeah, their name. Yeah. So. I thought this was a really, I actually love this moment because they're both looking at it and they're both like, oh, sisters and we love each other and oh, bonding and then Zelina like smashes the sign into the ground it's pretty great because she's looking at it and she cocks her head to one side she smiles and then bam right on the ground and And Ronnie's like what the fuck well Regina's like I thought we were having a moment but fine (laughs) and then Zelina reveals that she noticed that one of the panels of stained glass was actually the resurrection amulet so that's why she just did that it's more dramatic that way it was it's a great moment so back in the flashback, Robin's wandering around the witch shop, and she's like, ooh, look at all this witch stuff, but you don't have cauldrons. Why don't you have cauldrons? And Gothel's like, cauldrons are for amateurs. And Robin's like, well, my mom has a lot of cauldrons, so she must be a fucking amateur. You'll teach me to be ten times the witch she was, right? And Gothel's like, oh my god, I only have to humor this child for, like, another second, and then I can sacrifice her, and we can be done. Yeah, she's like... Sure, of course. Now, stand in the middle of this pentagram and give me all of your blood. That's cool, right? Like, as soon as you give me all of your blood, you'll be a super powerful witch. Yeah. So, Robin seems like she's starting to suspect something, but she has no preservation instinct. She just gets right into the center of the pentagram. And Gothel reveals the resurrection stone, the one we just saw in Ronnie and Kelly's bar. And, oh my god, Robin is the stupidest person on Earth because she's like, a resurrection amulet? Am I going to help you do a resurrection spell? Am I going to do a resurrection spell? And Gothel's like, you're going to be a very important part of the resurrection spell. The resurrection spell, by the way, is to bring Madame Leota back fully into the land of the living. Yes, to turn her from a crystal ball dwelling crystal ball dweller into a flesh and blood flesh and blooder. Yes. And so Mother Gothel says, you know, you're going to be a very important part. And from behind her, Madame Leota shouts, and die. And I'm just like, Leota, this is why they've been through like 10 girls. Stop giving them a heads up right before you sacrifice them. Do you like being in a crystal ball? This is why you're in a crystal ball. So Robin falls to the ground as her life energy is being sucked out. She's like, "Uh, was I just a sacrifice to you? And Gothel's like, well, duh. And she's like, you weren't going to teach me to be a witch at all. And she's like, yeah, you're like medium good at magic. You would never be anything more than a middle level witch. Meanwhile, I can get a much more powerful witch by killing you. And Selena's It's like, simple chess. It's simple chess. And Zelina bursts into the room. She's like, no, take me instead. This is how mothers show affection to their daughters, audience. Remember, audience, this is how a mother makes amends. By trying to sacrifice her life. Keep that in mind in case it becomes relevant later in the episode. Yeah, so Zelina steps into the center of the pentagram. They take 
Robin out, and Gothel just goes back to using the amulet to suck out Zelina's magic, even though she's, like, way outnumbered right now. They should just take her down. What is going on? Yeah, she's distracted. You can punch her in the face. Hook even threatens to attack her, and she's like, you enjoyed our last tussle. And he's like, oh, you reminded me that we had sex. Now I can't fight you. And then Robin grabs a bow and just shoots an arrow into Gothel's hand, and she's like, the next one's going in your motherfucking face if you don't let my motherfucking mother out of that motherfucking pentagram. Yep, and Gothel's like, oh my god, this is way too much drama, even for me. And she teleports out. And Leota, from inside of her crystal ball, also teleports away. Yeah, Gothel's like, you know what, there are a lot of other stupid girls who want to learn magic. Out. Yeah, it's really not that hard to find a stupid girl who wants to learn magic. So, Zelina and Robin forgive each other they're like i'm sorry that i denied you magic for literally no reason and she's like i'm sorry i ran off with the first evil witch i found who wasn't you (laughs) so back in seattle regina and Zelina are like so is there anything we can do to like use the amulet without her like yeah i mean they have the resurrection amulet they could try to figure out how to wake up lucy but they, before they can enact their plan, Victoria comes in with a gun and is like, um, fuck you, I'm gonna take the amulet. She's like, I was desperate to save my daughter. You, of all people, should understand that, Regina. And Selena's like, uh, I have a daughter that I was willing to sacrifice anything for. And, and Victoria's like, I don't really know who you are. Yeah, yeah, Victoria's like, didn't you know evil villains can do whatever they want as long as they... As long as they try to take care of their kid. And Regina's like, no, you were not taking the right lesson from the previous six seasons. I did not get a pass just for loving Henry. I had to do a lot of repenting to stop being evil. And Victoria's like, well, you should have known about the shortcut that we'll see in about ten minutes. So there's a lot of, you know, mothers will do anything for their children. There's no such thing as going too far. I would like to say that I appreciate that this season is all is all about genuinely mothers loving their children, except for Ivy. <laughs> Nobody loves Ivy. Other than Ivy, the season really is about mothers loving their children, whereas for the last six seasons, mothers have pretty much always been evil and... And even when they claimed that they were doing things for the benefit of their children, they obviously were not. Well, evil or incompetent. Give the incompetent mother some credit. Fair enough. I just really like, I feel like this season is kind of redeeming the idea of motherhood. Mm. And to some extent, fatherhood. Yeah. Hook's there. And Henry. And even even Nick, even though he's not a bio, even though he's not Lucy's biological father, you know, he- He, he stepped up to the plate when he was called upon to. Exactly. Which was nice. Why aren't we getting more Nick? I know there's a lot of other more plot significant things going on, but I would like to see more Nick in the show. I am really interested in the story of Nick. And, and you know, Jack. Yes. You know, we have a few more episodes. This is only episode 11 of the season. I hope we get a whole, I hope we get a big Jack-centric episode. Yeah, I hope we get a, like, Jack and Henry's bro adventures through fairy tale land. That would be amazing. And Jack in fairy tale adaptations can be such a cool character because he's basically a trickster god, and everybody loves a trickster god. Just look at the Loki fandom. Seriously. This is why it's disappointing that there has never been a good Jack in the Beanstalk movie. I mean, the Nicholas Holt one was fine. 
It was fine. I think the problem is that Jack and the Beanstalk movies, basically Jack the Giant Killer movies, try to make Jack like a heroic character and instead of basically making Jack Flynn Rider, which is what you need. Which is why I'm so disappointed that Gigantic got canceled. Especially so far into production. I'm sorry, it's very frustrating for me. I know, it's like your white whale. Uh, So... Victoria goes to Mother Gothel's secret garden where Anastasia is and she's like, I've come to give you the resurrection amulet in exchange for my daughter back. And Gothel's like, you know, I didn't make that deal with you, right? I made that deal with people who very specifically aren't you. And she says, and she tells Gothel that she doesn't care. She just wants her to resurrect Lucy because she's not a bad person. She definitely doesn't want Lucy to die. And Anastasia's like, oh, I knew you weren't a villain. I knew you weren't going to literally kill a child. Gothel tells Anastasia that the amulet doesn't have any magic in it, but Anastasia, as the only person who has magic in this world, can recharge the amulet. And Victoria's already starting to look suspicious at this point. She's like, wait a second. Hold on. This seems really familiar. And Gothel's like, all you need to do is touch the center of the amulet. And... And Anastasia's like, really? I mean, okay, I I guess. So she touches the center of the amulet and some light goes into it. And it basically drains all of Anastasia's magic. We assume. Well, Victoria shouts, stop, you're draining her! Yes. So Anastasia's kind of like woozy and out of it. And Gothel does a little like hand wavy motion in front of her face and then tells her to go away and she does yes so i guess she has the magic now i guess she has jedi mind trick yeah because it's very clearly like now she has magic now that the amulet's been magicked up yeah i think that's right well as long as she's holding the amulet yes and she and we know she has magic because the next second she teleports ivy from wherever ivy was into the center of the sacrificial pentagram oh by the way there's a uh, there's a sacrificial pentagram just kind of chilling out near them yeah which is funny because the camera hasn't shown it up until this point but obviously everyone was looking at it beforehand yeah like there's this giant ass ominous pentagram that just everyone's sort of standing around awkwardly yeah so back in the flashback Zelina's like apologizing to Robin for, you know, not letting her learn magic and all that jazz. And she says she'll teach her even though she'll basically just be showing her the motions since she doesn't have magic anymore. And Robin's like, you know, I think the only reason I wanted to do magic was because you told me I couldn't. Like, when I was actually doing magic, eh. Also, we were just in a witch shop and magic didn't save me. Being a badass with a bow and arrow saved me, so I think I'm going to focus on being a ranger and not a witch. Which, I mean, okay, but keep in mind, this is literally the one time pointy sticks have been effective against magic. It's true! You know what I think that makes Robin? Is Robin the ironic archer? Robin is the ironic archer who has been foretold. My god. Wow. Gee, so Robin has stepped into her destined role. Yes. Like this, like the savior, one is born every generation. They alone who will stand against non-ironic arching. <laughs> oh, 
well, since Robin has this superpower and she's not Henry, so she doesn't need to be like five different magical things. She tells her mom, hey, you know what? Now that my magic's all stuck up in this amulet, how about you take it and you can use it? I'm not using it. Yes. It turns out that when her life force was being drained into the amulet, it mostly just got all of her magic. And now she's magic empty, but the amulet has her magic and she can give it to her mom. So now her mom can have the power of a mid-level witch. What's cool is when the magic was being sucked out of Robin, it was red. And when it goes into Zelina, it's green. So, you know what this reminds me of in a really weird way? I have no idea. The last season of Sabrina, where Sabrina would occasionally just take her magic out and put it in a jar. Yeah, that was weird when she did that. Because it's like, you don't want your magic to be outside your body. Yeah. And she'd do it for stupid reasons, too. The whole last season of Sabrina, we had a running thing with it where we'd see how long an episode would take to remember that Sabrina could do magic. Yeah, the last season of Sabrina didn't really want to be a show about a witch. It just wanted to be a show about a girl in college. It was post-college. It wanted to be about a girl who worked at a magazine. It just wanted to be a hangout sitcom with the girl who used to play a teenage witch and the girl who used to play Punky Brewster. Yeah, it's weird how deeply Sabrina abandons its premise in the last season. I'd say the last couple of seasons, but just really the last season. Yeah. They legitimately forget that she can do magic in some episodes. It's just like, it gets a little better after she stops working at that magazine, because what was the point of her being at that magazine? Yeah. Okay, so just to be a little, like, weird about it. Mm Mm-hmm. If magic is a metaphor for, like, her blossoming adolescence, you know, because she gets it at 16. Yes. It makes sense that as she becomes an adult and settles into an adult life, it, she would stop using it and it would like kind of slowly fade away. That's depressing. Yeah, it really is. I did like, I mean, it was really hokey, but the fact that Har- like they were pushing Harvey really hard in the last season and normally that annoys me, but he was by far the least terrible character in the show by that point. Well, so. you've kind of brought it all around again. So I'm just going to talk about this real briefly because we are in a reboot season. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm side note. I'm going to throw this out there too. Uh, Last week I guested on the Leverage podcast. Let's go steal a podcast because they're doing the last season of Leverage. Mm -hmm. And um, the one where they moved to Portland. Here's the thing. When they asked me to do it, I was like, oh, of course, because I love and am obsessed with Portland and talk about it all the time. So I said yes, and I did it, and it was a lot of fun, and everyone should go listen to Let's Go Steal a Podcast. But also, when I was chatting with them, they were like, no, not because you're obsessed with Portland, because it's a reboot season, and you're doing a reboot season on Once Upon a Time right now. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think of the last season of Leverage as a reboot season, even though it kind of is. (laughs) that aside the thing about a reboot season is that it's hard to receive a reboot season well if the last episode of the last real season didn't know it was going to get a reboot and had a really satisfying ending charmed i'm sorry charmed didn't really have a satisfying ending but it had a definitive ending actually i think it did have a good satisfying ending you know the girls decided they're done being witches they've basically killed off their identities taken on new ones and are walking away from the mansion good satisfying ending i mean the end of the last real season of scrubs which is a weird one to bring up because scrubs but like 
they literally have a montage that goes into the future and shows, like, everyone settling down and their future lives together. And the end of the last real season of Sabrina before they rebooted it as a college show, right after she finishes high school, and all the problems have been solved, and she walks into the kitchen, and Harvey's sitting there, and he says, So, Sabrina, can we talk about the fact that you're a witch? And that's just such a perfect last line of the series. And you can just kind of assume that he's cool with it because he's acting like he's cool with it. They're going to get together and live happily ever after. And it's a great, perfect ending. And then they come back with a reboot season and it's like, yeah, Harvey freaked out about the fact that I'm a witch and now he's gone. It's like, no, that's not what happened. I was freaking there. Well, the fact that it kind of, Sabrina vaguely, you could say, has two reboot seasons. It has... Okay, she's in college now with this new setup. The mm. aunts are running a clock store. What? Oh my god. Yeah. And then that gets abandoned. The aunts are dropped entirely. It's about her living with these two girls while working at a newspaper. A magazine. A music a, magazine a, like Spin. A music magazine. So they changed the entire premise of the show twice. Yeah, but I don't really count that second reboot because the first one just, like, wasn't working. I feel like it was, like, when you start a car and it's like, It worked better than the damn magazine plot. It was all terrible. But my point was that it had a real good definitive ending, and that's one of the things that makes the reboot so bad. Yeah. Also, again, Harvey was, like, the one enjoyable character by the end of the show. And I know that was the whole point. They, But the fact that they spent all those episodes introducing her fiancé and then getting them engaged just so she would have someone to leave at the altar for Harvey at the end. What a terrible position for that fiancé to be in. Yeah, like, the whole thing was they needed to have the guy be likable enough so it would be believable that Sabrina would decide to marry him. Within, like, a week of meeting him. Yes, but not likable enough so people would want her to end up with him instead of Harvey. That's a fine, that's a fine line to walk. And they did not. They made him awful (laughs) because Sabrina was not a well-written show. Oh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. All right. Speaking of witches, let's finish up this show. Yes. So Mother Gothel is going to drain the life force out of Ivy so she can wake up Lucy out of her coma. And uh, Victoria's like, oh, oh, this is so awkward. This is so awkward for me personally. Yeah, she's like, I totally brought you the amulet so I could prove I was a good person. And your next action is going to be to kill Ivy. Oh, man. So she starts sucking. So Gothel starts sucking out Ivy's red life juice. Uh Uh-huh. And it's kind of interesting how minimally they're using CG in this. Like, there's a glowing red thing in her hands when she starts the spell. But then it's mostly just Ivy standing in a pentagram doing weird i'm gonna vomit motions like she's whipping her head back and forth and she's bending over and she's like oh my life force oh Oh, i should mention that there's an orchid in the center of the pentagram here and there was before when they were trying to drain robin because that sacred orchid that hook was looking for is a real thing even though the sacrifice is you know the girl yeah so ivy's like well i guess this is what you wanted isn't it mother and victoria's like oh god guilt Victoria's like, this is never what I wanted. And Ivy's like, really? Because you were going to you were gonna rip out my heart, remember? There was a plot about that. There was a plot where you were going to rip out my heart and use it to bring her back. And Victoria's like, shut up. This is my swan song. The show has pivoted since then. I will take the sacrificial bullet for you. Yeah. Or alternatively, 
I want to be the center of attention. And she just shoves her out of the pentagram and takes center stage. Yep, uh, I guess so. So that's what happens. Victoria gets her life force sucked out. It happens a lot faster with her than it's happened with other people. I think she's not resisting it the way other people have. Uh. So Victoria dies. She dies to save Lucy. And back in the hospital room, we see that Lucy is starting to wake up. Yep. And Ivy's like, you, you saved me. And Victoria's like, yep, redeemed at the last minute. Suck it, losers. I died a good person. Yeah, I was like, damn it, now that I know that you were a mother who would sacrifice yourself for me, I feel really bad that my mother is dying. And Lucy wakes up and Lucy's like, hey, not in a coma. Neat. Yes, everybody's happy about Lucy not being in a coma. So Regina and Zelina show up at the hospital and Lucy's awake and they're like, oh shit. This means someone was definitely sacrificed. Eh, whatever. It's one of the people we don't care about. Well, they don't know that yet. They don't know who was sacrificed. Yeah, I guess it could be Robin, but I mean, really, outside of that room, how many people do they care about who it could have been? Ooh, good point. It could have been Emma. It could have been Emma. That would be really weird, though. (laughs) Yeah, she's not really involved in anything this season. Which, you think she would at least be keeping a little bit of an eye on Henry, but I guess she has that shiny new baby to pay attention to. Her granddaughter is dying, and she's not there! That's weird, right? She wasn't around for the birth of her granddaughter. This is all very weird. It's very weird what a bad mother she's being, considering how much energy she put into wanting to be Henry's mom. Yeah. Well, she's a new baby now. It's all about that new baby. God. So, Weaver and Hook show up to find Ivy weeping over Victoria's corpse. And Hook's like, oh, I guess you were right about the whole cult sacrificing thing. Which... it's such a casual thing to say in this situation. He's like, I don't like to admit I'm wrong, but you know, pentagram, dead woman. All right, guess I was wrong. Also, how does he think Victoria died? Yeah, I was, well, yeah, I was wondering about that too. But I mean, right now she's just dead. You, you can figure out why she's dead later. Yeah. So he's like, so I guess that cult's real. And Weaver's like, yep. And Ivy's like, why? And they're just kind of doing the law and order standing awkwardly to the side while someone has an emotional breakdown thing. Yep. Yep. Puts his hands on his hips, takes off his sunglasses. Looks like she's got a lot of pentagram up rage. And Rumpel's like. (laughs) That was a guitar riff. Yes. Yes. I I, I said law and order, but we kind of pivoted into uh, CSI Miami. I was going to apologize for that not being even a vaguely good play on words, but then again, CSI Miami, so. Exactly, exactly. Back in the hospital, Dr. Sage is looking at the test results, and she notices that Nick is not Lucy's parent at all. He has zero relation to her, whereas Henry is absolutely 100% her father. And she's like, huh. But, I mean, okay, here's here's the thing, though. Yeah? In this scenario, where there's a woman... And her ex, and the guy who's not her current, but seems like he's going to be her current. And then that guy approaches you quietly away from the parents later and is like, hey, test me too. I wouldn't be that surprised. My assumptions about what the story is would be completely wrong. But I wouldn't be surprised to find out that Henry was the father. Yeah, it's a, it's a John Redcorn situation. I mean, the story kind of writes itself in your head. You're like, huh. Yeah. All right, then. So she's like, hmm, I guess I should probably tell someone about this or 
I don't know, whatever. I'm just going to take a sip of this ginger beer. This is the ginger beer that she bought when she was... At the vending machines earlier, like, literally hours ago. Yeah, that's got to be flat by now, because she has it opened. I guess maybe she could have just opened it, like, a second before this scene started. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Whatever. So she opens it and she takes a sip, and then she notices the weird fizzing ball things at the bottom of it yeah there's something in it that has poisoned her and that poison worked really fast because she dies like a second after taking a sip yep she falls to the ground and then gloved hands come down and they cut a lock of her hair and they grab the papers and then they vanish into the night credits okay so i kind of have a hard time saying that this was a like good episode oh i don't actually even going through it just now i think this was a good episode i feel like it had some pretty serious structural problems i feel like there was a lot of interesting stuff in there there was a lot of good acting and there was a lot of good good albeit somewhat unearned dynamics so there was a lot of clunky exposition and a lot of and it felt really overstuffed which is a shame because last week's felt kind of empty but i feel like they were so on point with their themes and there were so many good moments in it that i'm gonna say yeah i i'm in favor of this episode of once upon a time yeah it's much better than last week's well yeah i know low bar but that was this week's episode next week's episode is called a taste of the heights and the netflix description says a familiar face threatens to derail sabine's food truck echoing events in the enchanted forest side note yeah that's how the show works come on (laughs) Weaver and Rogers dig into a hunch. Oh my god. Oh my god. Are we going to get the hunchback of Notre Dame? If Netflix said they dig into a hunch as like a pun on the fact that Quasimodo shows up, I'm going to be upset. But I was also upset that the Netflix description seems to be implying that their response to what they just found at the end of this episode is, huh, you know, I think there might be some cult activity going on in Hyperion Heights. Call it a hunch, but I think we should look into this. God. So. Fashion corner? The only outfit that stood out to me was Regina's boy's adventurer outfit, just because it seemed really weird. I mean, she pulled it off, but. I know, but I do think we need to at least mention it since we both felt so strongly to what was essentially breeches and a leather vest. And yet we were both like, oh my God, so much to unpack here. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it's what I would put someone playing jack in if they were playing an adult version of jack yeah i can see that i also really liked as i said at the time the scarf that she wears in her ronnie slash regina outfit and i continue to really love what the costumer is doing trying to take ronnie's closet and pull regina outfits out of it i did like it was a subtle touch i wasn't sure that they were in storybrook but you know you were right because regina's vault was there and to tie this into Fashion Corner, Robin was wearing a school uniform, and we know that all of the schools in Storybrooke require uniforms for some reason. Oh, yeah. Also, the school uniform that Robin was wearing. Not anything particularly special about the school uniform, but a nice bit of storytelling to yeah. have her in a school uniform like that. Yeah, it was remarkably subtle for once upon a time. Yeah. So, do you have a recommendation this week? Okay, I do. And it's... It's loose. It is loosely connected. My recommendation this week is Return of the Jedi. Okay, go on. Because it is 
a story that is about unearned parental redemption. That's amazing. I love that tie-in. Yeah. Um, my recommendation this week, as I teased at the beginning of this episode, is, well, first of all, a more general recommendation, which is that you also go down the rabbit hole of amusement park history videos. A good one to start with is the Defunct Land videos, but Defunct Land specifically only talks about rides that are no longer in service, mm. so they don't have one about Haunted Mansion, but it is still a really great channel. Do they have one about Tower of Terror? Is Tower of Terror still going? Tower of Terror is not still going. It is... Tower of Terror is currently Guardians of the Galaxy Breakout. Huh. Oh, And they do have one about Tower of Terror. Speaking of, there is actually a uh, Tower of Terror made-for-TV movie that's supposed to be really good. I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things about it. Starring Kirsten Dunst? I am aware. Is it good? Did you see it? I didn't see it. Yeah. We should think about doing it for the podcast. Yeah. We should watch it first and see if it's... And see if it's... Something we could dig into. Yeah. But yes, I would... I would definitely say go down this rabbit hole. Defunct Land, Disney Dan, Fast Pass Facts all have great videos about amusement park rides. Also... Jenny Nicholson. Her Avatar theme park dive. Jenny Nicholson's video about the... Par the Pandora section of Animal Kingdom is definitely worth a watch if you're realizing that you're loving these videos. Also, her video on the theft of the Buzzy animatronic is great and contains a lot of information. Um, but specifically, if you want to see something about the Haunted Mansion, then I suggest Park Ride Histories, History of the Haunted Mansion. They have a great History of the Haunted Mansion video, and then they also have a video that does a side-by-side -side comparison with the Haunted Mansion in California and the differences with the Haunted Mansion in Orlando. Huh, cool. So I think that'll about do it. Yeah, I think that's it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you should head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, Ryan, Maracruz, Rosa, and Javier. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or really anything television related with us, head over to our Facebook group. Search for Welcome to Television in Facebook groups. Uh, we can also be contacted at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or at ilovetvzines on Twitter. So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. When hinges creak in doorless chambers And strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls Whenever candlelights flicker where the air is deathly still That is the time when ghosts are present Practicing their terror with ghoulish delight. Light.